Hey everyone, it's Christine here, um, and you are listening to Counseling Conversations with Carmel and Christine, brought to you by the Illinois Counseling Association. Hey, I'm Carmel. And I'm Christine. All right, we're looking forward to having a great conversation today about the various career paths in the counseling field. Yes, I'm excited to talk about this because I don't know about you, Carmel, but when I was in grad school, I had no idea what I was going to do in the field. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and I didn't really know all of the different avenues that you could take and the different options there were for career paths in mental health um, until I was like well out of the field and kind of, you know, doing my own thing and connecting with different people where I was like, I didn't even know that was a job. So we thought this would be a great conversation to bring to the podcast. Um, to inform people that there are lots of different opportunities in our field, um, whether that's with a master's degree, with a doctoral degree, with a bachelor's degree that you can do. Um, and we want to just bring some light to those things. And I think we should start out with talking a little bit about our individual career paths very rapidly. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I could go on and on about that. Yeah. I think we both could. You know, we've had a lot of experience doing a lot of things over a significant period of time. I personally, 20 years ago, graduated with my master's degree and pursued my license right after. And I obtained my LPC in 2004, uh, right after graduating in 2003. And I pursued clinical license right after and obtained those in 2006. And initially, I, Christine, you know, I started out in the criminal justice field. So when I went to grad yeah. school, I was working as a probation and parole officer. <laughs> <laughs> what a transition. Yeah, what a transition. But you know what I found? And I told you this when you and I interviewed uh, last year sometime that I was spending a lot of time with my clients that were there for probation or parole. And I felt like I was counseling them. And I knew that naturally that's kind of who I am as an individual. And I learned that I really wanted to work with people in that capacity. Not that I have anything against criminal justice because I certainly love that field and sometimes I miss it. But, yeah. uh, but I definitely learned who I am as a professional and as a clinician, but pursued grad school licensure. And I started out working in a private non-for-profit agency, a crisis agency. And oh, wow. yeah, yeah. And that was right out of, actually, I went to do my practicum there as I was finishing grad school. And there were residential programs, one for individuals that were homeless and uh, dealing with mental illness and substance abuse issues, and another working with young women and children. But we also had a crisis line there and things like that. So I worked there wow. for my first six years or so out of grad school. And I actually was there as I pursued my license. And, and after that, I worked for the state of Illinois in an inpatient state hospital, mental health hospital. I worked wow. at a forensic center for a few, about five years or so. And I worked with individuals that were unfit to stay in trial and not guilty by reason of insanity and their forensic center. Oh, yeah. So that's fascinating. I did that and then eventually went to private practice and I've been in private practice for the past seven years. Wow. That is some great experience. And, and for anyone who is listening that hasn't gone to a career path yet or is undecided or maybe unhappy in where they are, that experience that Carmel just described was like the gamut of like all of almost all of the things, right? Yeah. Like, when you work in, in an inpatient facility, you do get great experience. And I know there's this weird kind of stigma in our field about like, 
you don't do private practice until like later down the road or you have some experience. I think that that is significantly changing and, and that was not my experience at all. So I, I actually, um, kind of like you was a career changer. I got my initial degree from Illinois state university in business marketing, which is basically like, you don't know what you want to do. <laughs> you just pick something. And I was like, well, I want to make money. So my, you know, my dad was in business. And so I was like this, I could probably do this. Right. And I minored in psychology because that was like what I really wanted to do. And I got scared when I found out that I was like, I'm not going to be able to do counseling with people unless I go get a master's degree. I was like, I'm not doing that. <laughs> I like wrote it off immediately because yeah. I'm not great at school. Like school's never been like a strong suit of mine. And so the idea of going back to school for an additional two and a half or three years was like, so it felt so difficult. I was like, there's no way I can do that. And, you know, by like year two in your bachelor's degree, you have to make a decision. You have to like decide on your career path. And so I was feeling this pressure to make a decision. Mm -hmm. And I was initially in psychology. So I had taken a bunch of psychology classes. And when I learned this little tidbit about master's degrees, I said, I I'm not interested in that. I don't want to do that. So I went into business because I was like, I'll make money somehow with a business degree. Um, and then I, I got a job right out of school uh, selling houses for a, um, a builder. So not like a real estate agent, but like for a builder. So I didn't need a real estate license. And the money was crazy. It was also 2005. So in 2008, seven, eight is when the market crashed. And so did my job. <laughs> yep. Yep. Um, but similarly, when I was in that job and I'm trying to sell people houses, I ended up in my office talking to people about their, their problems. And they're telling me about their kids and they're telling me about all these issues. And I'd be sitting there talking to them and I'm, I was more engaged and I cared more about these people's well-being than like selling a house. And my, my manager would come and like knock on my window and she's like, you selling a house in there? Like, and I'm on. like, um, I, yeah, I'm getting there. I'm getting there. <laughs> That's great. And, and she was the one that actually said, you might be in the wrong field. Like, and I wow. said, yeah, I, I know. And then I kind of went into, so then when I, I actually got let go because the, the market crashed and there was no room to sell houses anymore. I went and worked at, um, a food service company in, uh, that just like manufactured foods for schools. And um, I was a marketing coordinator for them for a couple of years. And uh, ironically, my aunt was my boss. She was the one that got me the job after I lost my job. And she knew I was like, not happy there in corporate America. Like I really I had all these great ideas and nobody listened to me and nobody wanted to do anything. They just wanted to stick to their status quo. And they just wanted to stick you behind a desk and do the thing that they always did. And I'm like, I hate this. And she goes, well, if you could do anything in the world, like, what would you do? And I said, I would be a therapist. And she goes, okay, dummy, then go do that. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, yeah, I guess I kind of wrote that off, you know? So then that was kind of opened the door to a career change for me and like thinking about going to school. And I, I didn't really know like what the world of therapy and counseling even looked like beyond school. Like I did not know everybody talked about like private practice was like the golden goose. Like you want to, you want to get into private practice because that's where you make all the money. And obviously I love business too. Like business is a calling of mine, which kind of where I landed now, I ended up 
doing a, an internship in private practice and also another internship in um, like a dual diagnosis um, inpatient and outpatient facility, government fund run facility, um, which was not a good fit for me. And I learned that quickly, but I got that like kind of double experience and I just fell in love with the freedom of private practice. And we kind of talked about that in our other podcast the other day about private practice and the, the pros and cons of, of being in private practice. And I was lucky enough to do an internship at one and lucky enough to get hired at one. And then I've been in private practice ever since. But I do think there's a value kind of to what you were saying about having an eclectic experience in different avenues of a career. Yep. And I think that there, there was something I was missing from not having those experiences. Um, but then I got kind of different experiences in different ways, like in my private practice um, w before, which was kind of like a group practice. We worked with a nonprofit agency where I went into schools and did counseling in the schools as an outside counselor. So it was like a very unique experience where you got to go into the schools and see kids in their environment. Um, so I would, I would encourage anybody to get like different kinds of experiences and we're going to keep talking more about what other experiences, you know, that might, might call to you. Um, yeah. and you know, I, for me, so then now I've been in private practice for, I don't know, 13 years or something and, um, started my own almost four years ago. Um, but yeah, there's so many options out there that I think people don't know about. And let's talk about some of those. Yeah. Yeah. That's great. Wow. That's an, I didn't know all of that about your history and your career. That's amazing. <laughs> and for some reason, I can totally see you sitting in there trying to sell a house, but doing counseling. Oh yeah. Like oh, I, yeah. it's you, I can see that. Yes. <laughs> and then after, like, Oh my gosh, your daughter did that. Oh my God. That must've been so hard. Like, Tell me more. You know? <laughs> yeah. And my boss was just like, uh, what are you doing? And yeah, I was like, yeah. Oh, I like, like forgot who like I was and what therapy? I was supposed to Yeah. Like, come on lady. <laughs> and yeah, but kind of like, Apparently yeah. your aunt after the market crash was like, okay, and you need a job. So we're going to get you this food service job, yeah. get you the paycheck. And you are such a hard worker. You probably jumped right on it, but oh, yeah. it, it's so important to explore different things, like you said, and kind of figure out who you are as a professional. And sometimes it's a different aspect of your career. Like we're saying, there's so many different components of counseling, but sometimes it's a totally different career. It's a career change altogether. And uh, we both experienced that. So that's great. Thank you for sharing that. And yeah. by the way, you have a very thriving practice, and <laughs> <laughs> which I, I totally, it. totally adore and love just your hard work, your work ethic, and just all that you bring to the counseling field. Aww. You're so sweet, Carmel. <laughs> um, thank you for saying that. That was so You're sweet. Welcome. You're welcome. Uh, yeah. I don't know about you, but I, I think that even like being a career changer yourself, like, and you were in fitness before too. You, you owned a gym. Like yeah. you had, you had all this different experience before you came into the field to your criminal justice background. And I will tell you, I think I love when I get like either interns or new people applying to us that have different life experiences. Mm -hmm. I find that that is so helpful mm -hmm. um, in, in being well-rounded as a therapist and being relatable as a therapist, um, having these you know, different things. I would, when in my master's degree, I had a woman in my class who was 65 years old in my mm -hmm. master's class. And I was like, wow. And she goes, you know, I've always wanted to do it. I was a stay at home mom for 
you know, 30 years and now I'm not anymore and I want to pursue this. And I said, that's amazing. Like, don't ever underestimate your previous experiences and how that can help you in this field, because it can, especially like different aspects of depending on if you go into like a niche, you know, like substance abuse or something like that. Mm -hmm. I mean, your personal experiences are going to help you just don't under, don't underestimate that. I just think it's so, I think it's so worth saying. Mm -hmm. Um, cause it's not really like you're starting over. I am a hundred percent positive that you have your criminal justice background, your fitness and business entrepreneurial, like you started your own business. I started my own business. That business degree came in handy, right? Like I kind of was able to like bring my two loves together. And I know that you've kind of incorporated like with your experience, like you were saying when you were an intern, your criminal justice background and your, your counseling kind of like intersected in some ways. And so that is, it's awesome. You you will find that in a lot of different areas. Absolutely. And all those experiences become a part of who you are as a clinician. Mm -hmm. And like, for example, because I have had more than a decade of experience in fitness and wellness, I have done a lot of research on the mind-body connection and how a healthy diet and exercise impacts the brain, hence mental health and other aspects of life. And so I am able to bring that to some of my therapy sessions when when needed, of course. Yeah. Like when I interviewed you, so Carmel, I don't know if we've said this before, but Carmel and I met because I was writing um, an article for the ICA newsletter, which ended up just being an email blast to everybody about our members. Carmel was my first interview and I did all this research on you. And I remember going, I was like, holy crap, right? Like you have done so much stuff and I couldn't connect all those dots of like, this was probably so helpful for counseling. Your criminal justice background was probably so helpful as, as a counselor, your fitness, the whole mind-body connection that you have. Like how many people do you see run, you know, that are wellness inspired that were like, there is a mind-body spirit connection. That is something that, you know, you need to consider when you're in sessions with people on how those all connect. Yeah. So yeah. it's just fascinating to me. Okay. So not to get too off topic. Um, there are lots of different career paths that I did not know about. We yeah. kind of mentioned some from our previous experience. Yes. Um, you know, and I think there's like a a feeling out there, like you either go into private practice or you go into community mental health. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I will give kudos all day long to people that go into community mental health. It It is, it is tough, but I think it's so rewarding. Like we, I, I know plenty of people that were in community mental health in one way or another, or working for nonprofit agencies, mm-hmm. uh, working for state agencies like DCFS, <clears throat> DHS, um, that have like the reward. I think like you're doing kind of a different level of work and it is demanding, but it's also like you are changing people's lives. We all are, but you know, in a different capacity. Um, so I think when you're thinking about career paths, you also need to think about like, what do you want not to be like morbid, but what do you want your life to look like? What do you want to get out of your life? What do you, you know, we spend so much of our time at work, mm-hmm. you know, that's the American culture, right? It's like grind, grind, grind. But the reality is we do spend a significant amount of our time at work. So you want to be in an environment that helps you thrive, that you feel alive in Mm -hmm. something that gives you, you know, a sense of purpose. 
And so I think when you're thinking about career paths, you need to think about what lights you up in those ways. Yeah. Academia is something that we haven't really touched on yet, but it is a career path that I didn't even think about as, you know, a grad student or even getting out of school until someone had approached me and said, have you thought about like teaching? And I said, no, <laughs> I haven't. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but then let me, let me play with that idea a little sure. bit, you know? Yeah. Because when you have a master's degree, you can teach a bachelor's level, level class. You can te mm -hmm. teach a ma master's level class. Now there's like online everything. And so there's online teaching, which I know a lot of my clinicians do as like supplemental income. Like they'll mm -hmm. do an online class for, you know, National Lewis or, or a local um, college or something um, that just like gives them a little extra income and they it's flexible time. You know, mm -hmm. it's not like you have to be at the office from... 12 to eight o'clock. Sure. So there's a lot of other options. Yeah, there certainly are. Uh, you mentioned uh, a lot of the most common career paths in our field of work, working for state facilities and such. Uh, for example, Department of Rehab Services, they have rehabilitation counselors. Yes. And I mentioned the inpatient state hospital, the forensic hospitals. Uh, I worked at one. There's so many of those, Rushville, and and uh, I can't think of all the names of yeah. the different ones, but there's so many all through the state. And then federal, the VA, you can yeah. work at the VA. And previously, they didn't accept counselors. They only accepted social workers, but now they do due to changes in legislation. And of course, private practice, you mentioned community mental health and uh, also substance abuse facilities and community hospitals are uh, other options. And so we plan to talk a little bit about all of those moving forward and kind of talk about them at different times so that we can thoroughly explore those career paths and also bring to you guys some different professionals that work in those areas. Right, Christine? Yeah, absolutely. Like, I think one of the things, and it's not, you know, academia fault, but like, we don't learn about those things in school, right? Mm -hmm. Like, we don't really know what else is out there. You mentioned hospitals. Like, I, I have two employees that worked for a hospital and I was, it, it was fascinating when they were telling me about their experience, you know, more short, brief therapy kinds of things, but they also had an inpatient facility. So they were working with people for, you know, six, eight weeks, depending on what kind of program and that, that they have programs in hospitals too. So mm -hmm. I, I think this is just a great topic to explore, to bring mm -hmm. light to our field. And really like, I'm a big believer. I'll say this a million times. I'm a big believer in finding your fit. Like yes. finding where you fit in this field, because that is going to make you a happier, more content person. Um, and, and it's going to exacerbate your purpose and yeah. be and able to give you opportunities. Yeah, exactly. Less likely for burnout. Perfect. Yes. And because we, this, this is a high burnout field. <laughs> mm -hmm. So if you're not in a place that you can, you know, get excited about what you're doing, it's going to be that much harder. So I, I would, I love that, that we're talking about this and we're going to be interviewing different people from these different career paths so that you really do know what this looks like. Mm -hmm. Um, because I don't think people do until you like get in it and you're like, Oh, I don't know if this is for me, you know? Um, and which is why internships are great. Right. Cause it gives you some exposure without like the full commitment of like a career path. Um, but we would really like to shed some light on those, on those different, different paths and how, you know, you like, who would be a good fit for that mm -hmm. and what their day-to-day -day looks like and what their, you know, their life looks like as paralleling to their job. Yeah. Cause that's, that's an important thing too. 
Yeah. And the, the path you choose needs to fit your, your personal life to some degree as well. Mm-hmm. It, it, there's other fields of work that are kind of similar. I think of attorneys, the type of attorney that you decide to become has a lot to do with how your personal life will look. Yes. Your caseload yes. is going to look different. The hours and the types of companies that you work with or clients that you work with. So, yeah. Um, one thing I, I think we should also cover is uh, degrees. So with a bachelor's degree in whether it's counseling or psychology or any of the mental health, human service fields, social work, what can yeah. mm-hmm. a clinician or potential therapist do with a bachelor's degree? So from my understanding, when you have a bachelor's degree in either social work, counseling, mental health, psychology, you can't, well, you can't do clinical work. You can't do individual counseling, but you can do case management. I know a lot of people who have, or something that isn't directly clinical. So you could do like intake assessments, you can do um, case management. You know, I have some friends that did case management in a hospital setting where, you know, they would have a case come in. They would work with them to find resources and external resources to do the actual clinical work programs that fit the needs of the clients. And then they would send them there and then just periodically check in on them. Um, I know that there's some, a lot of um, positions that like either agencies, inpatient, outpatient, um, state run programs that you can have bachelor's degrees in that aren't that one-on-one clinical work. So more case management, um, making sure that a lot of like making sure that the clients have the resources that they need and that they're going to appointments and things like that. Um, Sometimes there's like call centers and hotlines and things like that, that you can, that you also can do with a bachelor's degree. Wow. Yeah. That's a lot. I didn't realize Mm -hmm. that people could do so much with a bachelor's degree. Mm -hmm. Uh, I think sometimes everyone's in our field is pushed to get that master's degree and that clinical license. And we sometimes forget that there is a lot of need for individuals in our field of work with Mm -hmm. bachelor's degrees. And so don't be discouraged and think that there's not any opportunities out there for you. And most often community mental health agencies will certainly need your services and uh, sometimes uh, community hospitals as well. And, and like you said, state entities um, with a master's, master's degree, things kind of open up a little bit more and there are a few more, a lot more opportunities with that. And with a master's degree, you can pretty much work in any uh, entity or capacity, the difference is the licensure, the level of licensure. And of course, in Illinois, we have our LPC, which is not a clinical license, but our LCPC is. And uh, I think we should talk a little bit about what a person with a master's degree versus a person with a license uh, can do in our field of work. Yeah, that's a really good um, topic. The levels of licensure basically allow for independent practice. So if you have your LCPC or LCSW, um, or if you have your, I think even the psychologist, I'm a little bit not as familiar with that licensure track, but you have the ability to be independent, which means you can bill insurance by yourself. You don't need someone with that level of licensure to bill insurance, which is really like kind of the crux of everything. So mm-hmm. if you have a master's degree, but no license yet, um, you can, you will have to work underneath somebody with that, like 
clinical licensure who has that ability to supervise you. Because basically, you know, it's the two years or however many hours that you need to become LCPC, LCSW um, that says like, I've had this experience, I've passed this test, like, I know what I'm doing, <laughs> like kind of a thing. And so they have the ability to supervise too. So then they would be supervising provisionally licensed people, which is either a master's or um, licensed professional counselor or um, licensed clinic or licensed social worker. So that first level of licensure, and, and that's kind of, I think the big difference and it does open the doors, right? So it opens the doors to supervising. It opens the doors once you have that second level of licensure to private practice, to billing on your own. Um, and it tells people like, I have this certain level of experience. Yeah. Um, yeah. And then, so, so yeah, when you have a master's or, or the first level of licensure, you're kind of limited to be working underneath someone else's license because you're not yet independent, um, to be able to working on your own without supervision. Yeah. Yeah. I think that, uh, with our, a clinical license, I think sometimes people find it difficult to find a clinical supervisor, depending on where they live. Of course, in some areas, that's not an issue as much as it is in others. And so at some point, hopefully we can talk a little more in depth about clinical supervision. Not today, but that's yes. a really important topic for us to cover down the yes. road. So PhDs, most people end up getting a doctoral degree. And of course, there's the PsyD, there's the PhD mm -hmm. and such. Most people go into doctoral programs because they want to work in academia. Of course, like you said, Christine, you can teach as an adjunct instructor with a master's degree at uh, community colleges and universities. But most people that go into getting their PhD, either they want to do research of some sort or they want to work uh, uh, as a professor, a college professor, rather than just adjunct at universities? What are some, some other reasons that people go into doctoral programs? I, I think that you nailed it. I think that's pretty much why people go in there. And I mean, obviously, a PsyD, you, you know, is more psychology, clinical based, and you're doing a lot of research. And so you sort of be, you know, it's becoming more of an expert in a certain area of um, mental health. And niching down a little bit and doing a, a research paper and thesis and dissertation on an area of your interest. And so that like becomes kind of a specialty for you. So like whether you practice independently after that or you contribute your efforts towards academia, teaching or research. Research is something we haven't talked about, but that is like you know, I, I think counselors are typically like, we want to do counseling, but that is an avenue, you know, if you find yourself like wanting to do some more, you know, your interests are in other things. I've thought about going back to get my, my degree a million times. Haven't you have, well, you I'm, are going I'm to working get working on it, <laughs> working on it, <laughs> step, in, step in the right direction. Um, but yeah, like, it, you know, thinking about, there's lots of different paths for doctoral degrees. There's, um, you know, doctoral degrees in, counselor education and supervision. So like that is another aspect of like, do you want to do more education and supervision work? Do you, um, then there's clinical psychology. Do you want to, you know, study something very specific that you, you know, clinically and do some research on that? So there's a lot of different options. And I'm, I'm sure like, you know, even as things continue to grow, there's like industrial and organizational psychology now that like, you can get a master's and a doctorate degree. And yeah. so like the organ, you know, the, how 
businesses and organizations are structured and how they function and how to make them function better. Like that is a, a career path now, mm-hmm. um, yeah. which is another, we should probably explore that too, put that on our list for people. To yes, try to we definitely should. Cause I, I'm doing a lot of stuff with organizations. Uh, mm-hmm. I've worked with a lot of corporations here over the last few years and mostly surrounding workplace, a wellness, uh, mental health in the workplace types of things. Mm-hmm. I recently had one uh, a couple of weeks ago and I tend to get uh, phone calls and emails to do that more frequently because organizations are certainly getting more uh, concerned and more interested in making sure that their employees are well. So that is certainly something that we should talk about at some point. Absolutely. I think that's a, that's a great, that's kind of a new and budding like opportunity in our field for people who want to, you know, focus on corporate wellness and like workplace wellness. I think that's awesome. Um, so I'll have you talk about that more later because it's not, that's not my jam, but I think that's, I mean, it's, it's definitely necessary and it's great that organizations are starting to care about that. Yeah. So yeah, as you can see, there is a lot of op- opportunities in our field that maybe just aren't talked about as much. Um, that we will kind of get into piece by piece. And if there's anything, um, you know, that, that people out there are like, well, you didn't talk about this, you didn't talk about this, because I'm sure we missed a lot <laughs> in our short just conversation here. Um, but we'd be happy to, you know, do any interviews and talk about any other kind of niche markets that we might have missed. And looking forward to getting into some of that in the future. Yeah. And if you are a clinician in our field of work and you'd like to join us as a guest on our podcast, you can always inquire to see if it would be a good fit. And uh, we'd be more than happy to have a conversation with you. So we're looking forward to continuing this conversation. Absolutely. So thank you, everybody, for joining us today. Um, Tune in to future uh, podcasts about career paths and specific ones that will be listed um, in the title. But thank you for joining us today, and we'll see you next time. Bye. Bye.